You are now tuned in to the All Right Talk Show with me, your host, Shane Trainer, where we talk all things business, health, money, mindset, and everything in between. So crank up the volume, sit back and relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the All Right Talk Show. I have none other than Dee Ludlow joining me back on the show. Dee is a very diversified investor and the founder of the 5M Club. However, we are going to be talking all things crypto, metaverse, and Web 3.0, and everything in between. And in fact, Dee has previously been on the show. So before you listen to this, go back and check out episode 24 of the All Right Talk Show called ready player one now d thanks for coming back on the show but i wanted to ask you one question first before we start and that is do you take the blue pill and the story ends or you wake up in your bed and find and believe whatever you want to believe or you take the red pill and you stay in wonderland and i'll show you how deep the rabbit hole goes Mm. probably the red pill the red pill (laughs) good choice (laughs) that's what i'm finding when uh when I'm searching through the crypto uh, space and I'm guessing everyone is, and even I've heard yourself, um, it's like going down the rabbit hole, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's just developing week on week, day by day. And I suppose, you know, is uh, it's one of those things where we'll have to just see how it transpires and plays out. Yeah, definitely. So firstly, how, how are you doing anyway? And um, what have you been up to? Good, yeah, all good. Um, as you know, um, you attended the event on um, Saturday, so just come off the event, which was good. Um, been a busy week. Um, yeah, just been manic on um, back-to-back Zoom calls, really, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all good. Yeah, you're always pretty proactive and uh, doing plenty of stuff and offering a lot of value to a lot of people and globally now, right? So your when is your, uh, your next 5am club meeting? Yeah, so the next one is um, Miami in April. Um, then we're back in the UK, and then we'll be uh, one or two in Dubai at the end of the year. Just trying to, yeah, really open up people's minds to what can be done, you know? So, yeah. And what sort of things are you, are you talking about? Because obviously, people come to your events, and I'm guessing they're just because, because. I think you're seen as like the crypto guy, but you didn't really talk about crypto on Saturday and you offered a lot of value talking about actually um, well, one thing that I took away was uh, the funnel and allowing certain things to go through your funnel, I like the, the time management and like family and friends and that sort of thing. And I found that really interesting and really valuable. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people try but they look at the end goal, they look at what they want and, um, they forget all the in-between and a lot of the time to get that end goal and to have that sort of freedom of choice there's a lot of things in between sacrifices um discipline and consistency in between and you really have to optimize everything you're doing to allow things to progress in a really in a sustainable way so yeah at the event it's all about sort of different topics we've covered um bits on um, overall investing in across different asset classes, bits on buying businesses. We've had some great speakers talking about um, health, um, mindset, uh, marketing. So we're trying to be quite diverse and you know allow people to take away from the events what they think would benefit them, and then in they can implement it in their day to day life. Um, as obviously the events 
for, for pretty much anyone. We want anyone to come, and you know, it's definitely a great room of people that are there. Um, everyone's there to help each other, and um, that's one thing that I definitely have taken away from feedback is the amount of like-minded, good people in the room. Which, yeah, which we're pretty proud of. Yeah, and I think you've definitely accomplished that because when I left that event that night, I I just felt very inspired and just so um, motivated from it, which is, is, you know, what the aim is. And, I, and you know what, I, I'm going to be honest here. The next day I spent a bit of time with some family I don't really see that often. And uh, all they started talking about was was the war with Russia, Corona and the football. And I just wanted to get out of there and get back to that event. And it, it brought my, my mood right down, man. And I was like, I need to like limit this shit, and, you know, even though I don't yeah. see them that often. It's horrible. Yeah, it happens to the best of us. <laughs> you know, we, you know, you can put things in place and family are family at the end of the day. And, you know, if you, if they need your help and, you know, and it's genuine, then of course, you know, people are there for their family, but you've got to be careful who you're allowed to give that energy to as well, because if you allow people to take it in over, you know, minor things, they will just keep taking it. So it's definitely important to um, protect your time. Yeah, absolutely. 100% spot on. So just following on from our previous episode, then you predicted a lot of things or obviously predicted because you also did a lot of research as well. And uh, we talked a lot about the metaverse and, and buying land and that sort of thing. So from us time we spoke to now, which I believe was probably like eight months ago, probably nine months ago, how far have we progressed to now in terms of what has come out and what's available, what are companies are doing to get involved in the metaverse and crypto space, if you will? Well, I think in regards to adoption, we've progressed massively. Um, you know, the if you think about the last time we spoke, which was probably last May, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, there it was a lot of talk around it, but some of the things that we were discussing kind of seemed a bit tinfoil back then. Um, now, <laughs> now it's normal. Um, you know, we've seen Facebook change to Meta. Um, when someone at that sort of level changes, people start listening. Um, you know, we've got Nike, Adidas, McDonald's, um, all now um, investing and taking part in the Metaverse. JP Morgan <laughs> taking part in the Metaverse. Um, so overall, I think that adoption has come a long way. I still feel that we're a long way away from potentially like Ready Player One sort of level, but um, it's come along a long way in a very short space of time and adoption's just becoming more and more. And we're seeing companies like Apple invest heavily in AR, VR, Facebook VR, um, you know, this is just going to continue. You know, people understand that the big companies understand where the technology is going and how all this is going to sort of cross over and they're spending a lot of money making sure that they're ahead of the curve um yeah you know we've we've seen a lot happen you know we've had concerts justin bieber uh lil nas x um performing in the metaverse and more um you know gaming has gone crazy inside the metaverse a lot of the play to earn stuff you know people being able to leave their jobs in certain parts of the world to play on games to earn money now um you know we're seeing a lot of the um the tokenization of real estate actually coming to light now in many parts of the world the advertising space is going to be probably the biggest when that really kicks off 
uh, as you know, NFTs have gone <laughs> crazy, yeah. Um, yeah. especially over the past, you know, six to eight months, uh, maybe a bit longer now. So yeah, I think that the metaverse and the things that we was talking about um, back in May last year, which is coming up a year now, which is crazy to think how quick that's gone. Um, yeah, I think a lot of this stuff has moved along very quickly. Yeah, I, to I totally agree. And I think this is this ties in nicely to this is the definition from what I've learned and read of Web3. This is Web3. It's, it's user control now, isn't it? Now, let's say, for instance, Web1. This is how I like to define it. Web1, it was just read, you know, like you get your news articles. Web2 is you you read and write, and it's but it's not owned by you. It's owned by the likes of your Googles, your Facebooks, um, YouTube, and all the big companies. Uh, Web3 is putting the control back into the user, isn't it? So read, write, and uh, read, use, and write. Would you, would you agree with that, or is there anything to add to that? Yeah, I, I would agree. You know, since the inception of the internet, you know, we have gone from pretty much read-only um, sort of passively consuming the content, really. Um, you know, back in the dial-up days, um, some of the <laughs> listeners may, may remember those days, um, to then obviously moving along where users could sort of contribute, even if they weren't tech-savvy. Like, you know, you look at things now, people can contribute towards the internet every day. They can post something that people like and share, um, and they don't have to be very tech-savvy. Anyone can jump on. Most people have, like, the likes of Facebook and, you know, this part of the world at least. Um, and social media is huge worldwide now, even video streaming. But then Web 3.0... Yeah, it brings it back even more to the to the content creator because they can get compensated very fairly. Um, whereas before, there's a lot of middlemen involved in most of the things in the current system. But Web three kind of democratizes everything through like uh, decentralized blockchain. Um, there's no centralized ownership with Web three, um, whereas Web two there is. So yeah. it's kind of changing everything by putting the control like you said back into our own hands and being in control of everything um and then obviously with the metaverse the cross between the real world and virtual worlds too the only thing is i think we're still a bit far away again from web 3.0 you know i think that yeah. this yeah. this in regards to web 3.0 the metaverse i just feel that we're a long way off but the how quickly um, you know, the bigger companies in the world are adopting it is is mind boggling. <laughs> I totally agree. And you know what? One thing that mind boggles me at the moment, uh, only because I can't, I can't really see a use case. And maybe you can um, educate me here. And somebody asked me the other day. So, for instance, uh, I think it was L'Oreal and some other beauty products, and uh, like McDonald's. I think it was McDonald's. It was definitely a, a beer brand as well. They've actually got products now within the metaverse, and you can buy them. What is the point? in that at, at this moment in time, like, you know, if you put your headset on and you go around and you buy something like, and you eat a virtual McDonald's or a virtual beer, what, is that just an experience or is it just, what do you think? What's your thoughts yeah. on that? As of right now, I think it's more of an experience. There's not a lot of value in that yet, like eating a McDonald's for instance, but some of like the early adopters of some of these NFTs by maybe some of the beer brands, um, Nike, mcdonald's 
you know, some of the early adopters um, are probably going to benefit from owning ANFT of one of these. Um, it's not for me at the moment. Um, I believe that the use case for NFT is going to be very different to what people think that they, the value behind them is right now. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of us do experience a lot of testing going on. You know, it's, it's a little bit different where, you know, these brands in the real world test their products many different ways. Um, they're just trying to get ahead around the metaverse. Um, you know, even some of the bigger tech companies are struggling to recruit at the moment. Um, so the likes of people like Nike and um, McDonald's are definitely going to struggle to, you know, uh, recruit people that's going to develop their sort of stuff in the metaverse as well. So at the moment, I think there's a lot of testing and experience driven stuff going on. And I think this will just develop over time. But it's very early days at the moment. You know, a lot of people wouldn't even know how to go and explore the metaverse at the moment. So, you know, it's, it's not very user-friendly to the point where it's very easy to do. Um, just like some people still struggle how to buy crypto in the first place. You know, yes. some people still don't understand how to do it, even though some platforms are very user-friendly now, people are still a little bit worried that, especially like the older generation, and then to store it safely, they is like a minefield for them. So, you know, because until this just becomes very easy to do naturally day to day. It's going to take a bit longer, but also that we need to think that less than 10 years ago, we've gone from, you know, using probably cash and card, maybe more cash than card or 50, 50, or, you know, you know it's weighted fairly to, in now people using their phones and Apple Pay as normal. Now, if you said that to somebody 10 years ago, you know, people would be like, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. So, yeah. you know, and, and that's very, very normal now. You know, a lot of the stuff that we use um, in regards to payment now, you know, over the last 10, 20 years has changed a lot. So um, when it comes to doing this day to day, it's just going to be normal. You don't have to understand how it happens. Like we don't understand right now how... You, you tap your phone on a on a um, on a machine and it takes the money out of your bank. People don't yeah. know how that actually works themselves, but they just do it. People yes. don't know how they can tap their car contactless on a machine and it takes the money. They, they don't know how that works and the technology, but they do it because that's what ha that's how we what we accept in society. So when this changes. It's going to be the same, like in El Salvador at the moment with their Bitcoin wallet. That's normal now. It's not. It's not a situation where all of a sudden all the El Salvadorians have become very tech savvy. That's just normal. That's what they do day to day. So it's just part of their day to day um, uses. Like you don't wake up in the morning and think, right, I need to strategize because at some point I'm going to use my Apple Pay today. You just, <laughs> you just go out and you just do it. So. Uh, and that's what they do in El Salvador at the moment. And so, yeah, it's uh, I don't think we're miles off in regards to using the network and using cryptocurrency um, on a day-to-day -day basis in different ways. But Web3 in the metaverse, I feel there's a lot of development that it will happen fast, but I think we're quite a way off where people think that we're going to get to. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, let's fast forward 10 years from now maybe even a little bit less, it will be like a lot of the things that we're trying to get used to now, especially you and I and a few others, 
um, that are researched into this stuff, like that will be in 10 years' time, it'll be second nature to probably the majority. Um, and a lot of the things may be fads as well. A lot of the things that we're seeing now will be there. And impl- like, for instance, a lot of companies, I'm seeing more and more companies, especially some of the bigger ones, um, allowing Bitcoin uh, payments now. Uh, which is, I think, a good a good step forward, and obviously the country El Salvador has has adopted that as well. Um, so I think yeah. it's yeah, and te- 20, ten years time, um, who who knows how many countries are going to have that adopted, or some of the technologies we see now are going to be the new norm. I'll say in ten years. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, there's going to be different use cases for different cryptos. Um, like we're talking about companies here. We're not talking about like, or they're not all. Yes, you can use them as a currency to transact, but in all realness, a lot of these are just companies that are all trying to build out and either improve current world um, technology or trying to solve current world problems. A lot of them are doing so. Some will survive. Some won't. Um, you know, but I think that fast forward 10 years from now, you know, where people in maybe a barbershop or um, some sort of cash business may save a bit of cash back to make it, you know, save them from paying certain taxes because, you know, they, they run a very small business, which doesn't turn over serious amounts of money. So they want to, you know, benefit from it some way or another. And it happens on most high streets, you know, um, like local high streets where there's hairdressers, barbershops, beauticians, um, those sort of small businesses now, um, maybe cash in hand gardeners and those sort of smaller um, trades as well. You know, they're still going to want to have that sort of incentive to be able to work and benefit from, you know, work on the side, whereas central bank digital currencies are going to be more heavily weighted towards tax automation and, and a lot more control, people are going to still want to have them benefits. And if there's no cash available, then there's going to be something else. And when I say there's going to be something else, I don't mean Bitcoin. I mean stuff like privacy coins like Monero or Zcash. You know, yes, um, yes. if you look at Zcash, Zcash is just Bitcoin. Was like bit, built on Bitcoin code. It just have has a privacy feature. So um, whereas like Bitcoin's on a public blockchain, so you can see every transaction you know privacy coins aren't so um you can still send and receive payments they're just anonymous um obviously I'm not sure you're going to pass aml checks um <laughs> by <Yeah>. sending some <laughs> Monero and around the world but there's so many different things that uh, 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 have their own purpose you know and um just the world that we live in now like i feel that bitcoin potentially you know i'm not one of these bitcoin maxis that are like look let's save the world kill fiat and we only use Bitcoin because, you know, I think we're a long way away from that even being an option. Um, and as of right now, fiat, regardless of whether that's going to be in a, a digital form or physical form, is what we use as a medium of exchange to transact value. And, you know, and the central bank digital currencies, in my opinion, aren't going to be much different. But, you know, we're probably going to be leaning now towards a multi-reserve currency opposed to just the one global reserve currency like the dollar I probably feel that that multi-reserve currency will probably be a basket of currencies, kind of yeah. like the SDR, um, and maybe Bitcoin will be a part of it. You know, if they want to try and stabilize a basket of currencies, yes, it's volatile, but in times like we're seeing right now, um, you know, what's happened to gold compared to Bitcoin? You know, gold is down in, a, in an environment you would think that gold should be flourishing, and then Bitcoin this week, since a war has been declared, 
and started to pump. So, which is crazy in times of global uncertainty, is the fact that Bitcoin wins, wins at the moment. Um, and then also, if there's a bank run, where do people run to? It's going to be Bitcoin. We're seeing it right now. You know, you've got to think, Russia has just hiked the interest rate to 20% because the ruble has slipped around, what, 30%, 40%? Yeah. But Argentina's inflation at 50%. Turkey's almost at 50%. The USA reporting like a four-decade high, 7.5%. Where are people going to flood to in times like this? You know, regardless of whether Bitcoin as an asset is volatile, if you if you did zoom out on the chart, it technically is an inflation hedge and is is the best performing asset available to you know the general person out there. And something I spoke about quite recently on the mastermind was um, the penetration, the internet penetration rate of some of these countries. You've got some countries that are um, like seventy percent or plus unbanked, but they got a sixty-two or seventy percent internet penetration rate. So. If they're unbanked in the general system within their localized economy or you know or just in their nation but they got access a high internet penetration rate where they got access to the internet which one do you think they're going to lean to and what makes more sense be your own bank or wait for someone to give you an account that they haven't give you for years and years and years but we're in a very uncertain you know economic climate at the moment um, no one really knows where we're going. I think macroeconomics is just out the window. Um, you can't really follow historical data. The way things are happening right now is definitely all over the place. Like oil was minus $30 in April 2020. And today, I think it's today, it's traded at over $100. Like if people think Bitcoin is volatile, right? You got to look <laughs> at everything else that's going on. And I, I, just before we jumped on, I seen that Jerome Powell said that he is going ahead with his um, 25 basis point rate hike. Um, yeah. So that's going to happen. People thought that he may stall based on everything that's going on. But you know, I think that they know that 7.5% inflation isn't isn't really acceptable. Um, but you know, shock. I think everybody knew that we were heading towards that. There was no way it was transitory. I did see a lot of people think it was. But, you know, I don't think people realize the magnitude of the money printing that has been happening. You know, when you look back at 2008, uh, people was asking for a bailout for eight, over $800 billion for the banks. And then Biden will pull out a $2 trillion stimulus bill like it's just another day and no one bats an eyelid. So I think people's just sort of sat back, um, enjoyed government incentives and handouts and not realized how catastrophic this potentially could be but again you can't really look at historical data based on everything that's going on you know when this first started happening i sort of assumed that we would see some sort of um disaster or a crash um as time went on um you know things changed like i'm more inclined to think that not that a crash couldn't happen because they've definitely been irresponsible, but and they have been, but more like a debt jubilee or maybe a debt restructure to to change the way things are at the moment because it's getting a little bit out of hand, to be fair. Um, but there's a lot going on, you know, like the Russia and Ukraine stuff at the moment is is pretty scary. Not maybe. I don't believe everything that I see on there because who knows what's really going on over there unless you're there. Um, we've seen how the media can definitely um, uh, well, just blatantly lie to us. <laughs> um, so oh, yeah. you don't, 
I wouldn't really want to like trust exactly what's going on over there. But these sanctions on Russia and cutting them off the SWIFT payment system, um, you know, that's now going to try and that's going to basically shut off the oil, gas and wheat um, from Russia, delivering that to Europe and other parts of the world as well. Um, like Russia has like the second or third largest oil supply in the world. Um, you know, so they're a huge wheat exporter as well. So cutting Russia off and sort of sanctioning them, especially with the SWIFT payment system, you're now basically allowing them to choose and trade their oil and wheat for whatever they want, whether that's crypto, ruble, um, gold, they get to choose who they sell to and sell in what. So what happens then to the petrodollar system that we currently have now and the current fiat system that we're building? That's what people need to think about with this. Um, and, you know, not, not taking anything away from a war. If people are getting hurt and, you know, and, and that gets out of hand, then that's very sad. But my point is that people, usually when times like things like this happen, you just need to follow the money. Um, and then again, looking at how bullish, I know I'm going off on one here, but I know how bullish. Um, keep going, keep going. <laughs> um, you could be on crypto in times like this. You know, they've also halted the Visa and MasterCard network access um, in Russia as well. So again, where's the public going to flood to? Where do they feel that their money's safe? You know, we've seen the capital controls we put in place before. We've seen them happen now. We've just seen them happen in Canada. So what, you know, where are people going to go to, they need to become their own bank. Things are getting, getting worse and worse in regards to control. We've seen the worst we've seen for a long time, especially since, you know, in our lifetime, over the past 24 months. Um, even I think today, was it today or yesterday, the Russian a Russian bank collapsed like 95% yeah, on the London Stock that. Exchange. I yeah, think yeah. it was today. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, I've yeah. been up since very early with a 5 a.m. club. But um, yeah, there's a lot going on. And you know, when people are flooding to certain assets and not just where they can store their money if a lot of these currencies are collapsing, but also where they can actually use their money and feel that it's safe. And, you know, I think people look past the fact that you can be your own bank with crypto. You know, you can actually not just be able to own your own money, like actually take custody of it, but you can be your own bank in regards to lending. You know, you can take loans with your own cryptocurrency, instant loans, no credit checks, no monthly repayments. You know, it, it, there's so much you can do. It's crazy. And something, again, I've, I've said previously and would have seen on one of my reels is people who take a look at Bitcoin, let's just use Bitcoin as an example, and look at Bitcoin like, well, it's volatile and I don't want to be in it or I want to be in it, but I want to get gains quickly. Then, yeah, of course, you know, we had a 16% green candle the other day but doesn't mean that that's going to happen every day because it can dip 50 60 percent in two weeks so yes is volatile yes you're going to have swings but don't don't be investing in certain cryptocurrencies expecting to get rich quick it has happened and it can happen and it will continue to happen but a lot of things are down to luck and manipulation as well so you know and something i did mention like i mentioned on the reel was the last bitcoins are going to be mined in the year 2140 so i wouldn't be taking a very short-term time horizon to the asset rather maybe dollar cost average in make sure you get a nice position um, over a period of time you don't have to try and time tops and bottoms just sit in there like you would if you bought a house um and just wait 
Like if tomorrow the property market rolled over and your house devalued 50%, you're not gonna run down the nearest estate agents and say, please, can you quickly sell my house? Cause it's lost its value by half. So, you know, and I think in the, until you understand the asset and, and the asset class, cause it is a recognized asset class now, people are quick to jump to assumptions and um, the wants and needs for different things are different for depending on who you are. And, you know, when we're talking about property, cause I invest in property too, is one of the conversations we've had previously was um, properties needed because you need a roof over your head. Well, that's fine. You tell that to somebody in, in the UK and people think, yeah, that's, that's pretty essential. Then you go to some places where people have no bank account and they, they also are living in maybe a, a tinfoil hut or a tin hut or something, some sort of shelter in, in somewhere where, you know, their the, the, the sort of priority is more medium of exchange than shelter. This is people forget because we live in the UK or you live in the US, Australia, Canada, and some of these countries the, that, that don't need the basic necessities of life. People think that, oh, this is a need because we need it. Needs and wants are different depending on where you yeah. go in the world. Yeah. And if you ask me, a medium of exchange is, is, is needed more than shelter. The reason why I say that is because if you go back to history, regardless of what age you go back to, people would trade one thing for another and they would trade based on what they need. So food and stuff like that, okay? They, now we need a medium of exchange to trade anything. And if in some countries you, you know, that's you're struggling to use to have that or something that you trust in, then maybe that's more of a need than shelter. So it all depends on where you live. But I think people get a bit ignorant to the fact that we're fortunate enough to have the things around us that we need. You know, if we need to go and buy some bottled water, you can go down the local shop, buy some milk, buy some meat. You don't have to go and hunt for meat. <laughs> you know, you can you can just go and get it. But, you know, people aren't as fortunate as us in certain parts of the world. So, you know, people's wants and needs are different. Yeah, absolutely spot and um, yeah, you've hit so many nails on the heads there. And I, I, I think with that then, so do, do you think that people will, will start to, to, to realise that then? And like, I guess because we, we do live in, in, a, in a privileged country, don't we? I guess we, we look at things, I guess it's the media that drive a lot of the stuff uh, to, to ourselves and it, it can it can clog what we're seeing sometimes and do you think people should start investing for the long term then in the crypto space yeah i think that i think it's inevitable that blockchain technology is going to be um one of our main sort of go-tos that we use daily whether we know it or not i think that um property transactions in a very short period of time is going to be done with blockchain. I think that our payment systems will be done in blockchain. All this will happen very soon. Almost everything that we do will be based around blockchain. Um, so yeah, why would I would be like, well, why wouldn't you want some sort of exposure to it? I'm not saying to put your entire net worth into it. Um, if you understand it, then maybe you may want to invest a little more. But you know, if you say to somebody, go and buy some, why would you go and buy some gold? They say, because it's a store of value and it's my safe haven asset and there's a hedge against inflation, right? Fine. Well, that hasn't worked over the past 24 months. That's been a bad store of value. 
and a bad hedge against inflation. Then you could say, well, what about real estate? And then in this environment, that's proved to be a good hedge against inflation plus steady growth. Again, this is down to different metrics. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I don't want to go off on too many tangents again, but, you know, before the 50s, there was a very, very flat housing market, right? The 50s come, the mortgage as we know it started to come into fruition. We had a little bump. Then the home ownership mortgage that everyone's more familiar with now, then go introduced in the 70s. Since then, it's gone parabolic. So as soon as the availability of credit is, is available to anyone and it becomes easy to get access to, obviously that's going to push up an asset that in general is going to be hard to buy without some sort of loan because you know not everybody's got a couple of hundred grand to invest what's the average house today what 275k yeah. most people don't have that in their banks they need a mortgage right so but then with crypto it's very early adoption like for me looking at crypto you're kind of looking at stuff without being sort of too cliche Imagine Amazon, you know, when it was just your online bookstore that no one would have ever believed Amazon would be the powerhouse it is today when it sold books online, right? Um, kind of to me, I think that we're around that time now. That's how early I think we are um, in as crypto as a, as a complete sort of sector. There's so many different things that's going on now. And I think that people see value in so many elements of crypto. And that's why you're seeing institutional and big corporations jump all over it and try to get some sort of exposure. You know, there's a reason yeah. why BlackRock, Fidelity and all the big, you know, players uh, uh, not only involved, but they're also getting their clients involved, their high net worth clients. Yeah. What sectors are doing it for you then in the crypto space? Because I've, I've been looking into it. Actually, uh, you had a podcast with a good friend of ours, Aaron Knightley, which yeah. I watch. Fantastic podcast for anyone that hasn't watched it, go on YouTube. But, um, and I've looked into the sectors. And uh, funny enough, I was speaking to uh, a group of people <clears throat> and uh, we were just thinking about what would what sectors would be good to invest in now adult entertainment came up and then I watched your podcast and you mentioned it and obviously it's a bit funny you know because it's adult entertainment blah 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 we're all adults in the day but yeah. I think it was it's actually not a bad shout um, because the adult entertainment industry now forget crypto for a second is frigging huge I don't know how much it's worth uh, you probably do because um, I know how much you love adult entertainment <laughs> 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 I'm only messing but it's it's um there's a few different things isn't there uh within that so that's one sector what other sectors are you excited about that you're investing in the moment or looking into um gaming is huge um you know we haven't we've seen some of the gaming tokens do fairly well um but i don't think it's touched the surface of what's going to happen with gaming um like play to earn games at the moment aren't very um, they're not like your typical games that you would play now if you went on, say, Call of Duty with graph graphics aren't great at the moment. But the sort of AAA games that you see trailers of, a lot of them aren't like that yet. But when they do start to move to the 3D and some very good graphics and you can play to earn on games such as, you know, Call of Duty, Grand Theft Auto, those sort of games, I think at that stage... Gaming's going to go absolutely crazy. Um, it already kind of is, but some of the games now that play to earns that people are sort of quitting their jobs to play is already happening. So I think gaming is going to be huge. There's um, a game that 
that's recently launched called Sin City. Um, that's like a mafia game. It's kind of like Grand Theft Auto. I think over time that's going to do well. Um, and yeah, it'd be good to see what others do. But gaming for me, adult entertainment's one probably that's going to be, it could move very quickly, but it's probably going to be a little further down the line. But it's the one that makes the most sense to me because um, like I said on Aaron's podcast, you know, banks don't really like to give the, these adult sites and adult companies payment gateways. Um, it's kind of a look down upon industry. You know, people don't want to see them, people to see it on their bank statements and different things. So when you sort of merge that with crypto, it makes total sense. And the fact that, you know, you can be private in what you do and decide to do in your spare time. Also, you know, that comes with its cons as well. You know, there's a lot of things in the world that shouldn't be happening that do happen. And then it's going to have to be some sort of regulation or some sort of um, quality control when it comes to managing who is using them platforms as well, which is obviously going to be hard. Um, but I know that the two that I mentioned on Aaron's podcast, Nafti and Tipsy, I know that one of their core aims is to make sure um, people go through a certain KYC process. So you know who's using the, they know who's using the platform to make sure that the the, the right people as in age are talking to the right people around, you know, what was legal and what's not. So I think that's one of the things that um, could go wrong, but I think it's one of the ones from an investor that makes the most sense. And then along with like gaming and obviously the layer one blockchains, I think like Solana, Avalanche, those sort of, um, yeah, yeah. it's hard to say like specifically because everything is growing so fast yes like, if i was to also go into like supply chains and stuff i think that's very needed um but it's a long way behind yeah yeah and you know what um something that you said on aaron's podcast again as well was um it's moving so quickly and i you know what i wondered it myself because obviously i i myself see you as as pretty knowledgeable guy especially in the crypto um world if you will and um, i struggle to keep up with it um you know with especially DeFi 2.0 um as they're coining it which is decentralized finance for anyone that doesn't know what DeFi is um and once i start that's why i mentioned the rabbit hole thing at the start because once you start looking at one thing you go on to another thing then you go onto someone else's youtube channel to, to another article i mean i know you mentioned aaron's podcast that you struggle to keep up with it yourself so how do you keep up with it? Is there certain places you go or is it just, do you, do you tr have trusted places you go? Um, not necessarily. I think it's, um, I've started to like filter out a lot of it now um, just because there's so much going on. And if you start to try and take in too much content from people, everyone's pushing different projects. So for me, I just look at the, you know, your, I look at a lot of on-chain metrics to see where we're at in regards to, to Bitcoin. Um, so like CryptoQuant, Glassnode, you can use both of those. But keeping up with what's going on, I think if you look at places like Cointelegraph, Coindesk, those sort of places, they, they're, they're very good at updating what's going on day to day yes. within crypto. And then I kind of like just sort of filter out the stuff I'd like to look at. I like to look at a lot of the stuff that crosses with like the sort of the macro shift that we're going through in the real world. So I focus on more um, content around that because that's where we're going to start seeing day-to-day -day use cases when those two really merge fully um, rather than stuff that's quite speculative long-term. I still look at that type of stuff, but 
you just get lost in a really deep rabbit hole and you'll end up having your entire portfolio um, allocated towards stuff that you just got to bet on down the line, which I, I I don't think that's the most sensible way to do it. Yeah, definitely. And um, okay, well, here's an interesting question for you. If you was to start a crypto project, what sector would it be in? Or are you actually starting a crypto project in the future? So um, I'm work. yeah, so we're, um, I'm already a part of my own crypto project called Block Ghost. Um, it's basically um, is an algorithm that not only monitors the fear and greed in the market, but also when certain things happen in the market, it's early days, so I can't say too much, but yeah, of course. when happen in the market, um, it sends you certain signals, not as in like a trading bot, nothing like that. But yeah, I'll have to speak more about it down the line, but that's called Block Ghost. But I've also been asked to um, get involved in another one out in Dubai. Um, I'm not fully involved and made my mind up and getting involved yet. But that's in regards to like payment gateways. Um, yeah, I can't say too much about that one yet, but yeah, as well. But that yeah. was that's that's involved in payment gateways, not your general payment gateway that most are. It's a little bit different. But yeah, if I was to choose what I get involved in, um probably something in gaming. Not that I'm not a gamer, um, I've got no interest really in gaming, and maybe a game of FIFA, but um uh, <laughs> But I just feel that there's so much opportunity in it and you can do whatever you want because the game merges along with the metaverse. So then in the game, not only could you potentially have smart contracts, NFTs and everything else, you can create your own avatar in a game that potentially, dependent on the technology, um, can then move in and out of other games as an avatar. So, And some people may prefer their avatar in the metaverse over itself in the real world so down the line where we'll see like ready player one type stuff down the line so i'd like to get involved in gaming just because i feel like there's no end of where you could take it because it's technically not real um but yeah other than that i'd like to get involved in something that yeah. would actually make a change if there was something that yeah let's do something that's going to make a change and yeah give people a bit more power back <laughs> Yeah, no, I like that. I tell you what, though, with with that, what you mentioned about the avatar, there'll be plenty of catfishes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine, right, that somebody is like in there, they're not happy with themselves from the real world, but in the, the metaverse, they can be everything that they want to be and look however they want. Yeah, do whatever yeah. they want. You know, I'm just picturing this guy now. He's 50 years old, still lives with his mum. He's got bean stains down his his <laughs> wife wife beater and his wife front pants and he's like this you know stunning model type uh just bowling around in the metaverse being like a top shagger <laughs> yeah do you do you, do you might as well like you, it's about it's about you could be whatever people de like decide what rich and poor is whatever you decide what it is people who's listening but you could be like poor and the real world because you want to spend none of your money but then you could be rich in the metaverse and you could have the lamborghini you could have all the stuff in there but because you're so you want to keep your money in the metaverse because that's where you perceive the value is maybe you don't want to spend nothing so you have no money in the real world or vice versa you never know it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what happens now the sort of real world slash metaverse and virtual world cross yes. i think that's what we're going to see with augmented reality with like apple's ar um i think that day-to-day -day 
Apple glasses or whatever you you put on. Um, I think day to day you're going to see the difference where you merge the two together between like virtual and real, and that's where I think the advertising space is going to become incredibly big. And and you know, advertising is already like a super super profitable um, sector. So imagine when you now open the door to the cross between like like Pokemon Go, for instance, people would go out in the street and they chase these Pokemon around that, you know, unless you look through your phone, they're not there. Yeah. Now, imagine you have these glasses that you have that capability of having AR across a real world. And then you're walking through central London and, um, you know, you walk through Leicester Square. And when you look through the glasses, you see an advert of, say, your podcast logo, and then you take your glasses off. And you got, I don't know, a new Nike tracksuit on there, the advertising, but you paid for the digital advertising that you can see through the AR glasses. So advertising just gets opened up to basically double up on everything if you cross the two. Yeah. yeah, I can see that happening pretty quickly, actually, because, you know, we did have Google Glass, which I, think, I believe was a bit of a failure. Um, and then Ray-Ban, uh, which has, has bought yeah. out some, like, some types of glasses, which I haven't really looked into, but a bit random of Ray-Ban. I didn't know they were in the tech space. But, yeah, I know Apple's got some stuff coming out. They're in, they're in the works of doing stuff. Uh, but, yeah, there's you're right, there's going to be um, so many more companies doing these sorts of uh, virtual and augmented reality bits and have you ever tried an um an oculus rift too have you put one on you no so i've tried I've, I've used a vr headset but not the oculus rift too no yeah. it's um I, I went around to a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago because after doing a bit of research on the metaverse uh, i was like i'm gonna go around and see what it's all about and uh i gotta admit it, it, it was it was really fun a bit gimmicky of course um you know just picking up things and launching them around the room and you can walk around. And what I found really interesting was he was like, told me put down the remotes. So I put down the remotes and because the front of this headset has um, like sort of infrared, my actual hands, I put them in front and they would move in the, in the, oh. I was like, wow, that's actually, I didn't know that was a thing. I thought that's got quite advanced already. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, I think it, in the, that's going to advance quite quickly. Now that Facebook, um, own that as well they're just going to own freaking everything yeah i think that the only thing that with the development of facebook's metaverse they're going to struggle with is getting the developers to do it i think they're going to really struggle i know they want to recruit ten thousand people in europe um the reason why i say this is because i went to one of these um crypto meetups and um i was talking to a lot of the developers there and everyone's working on their own project and it was a group of people that are all working on their own project on the polka dot blockchain and um they was all from the same class from i think it was cambridge uni they went to and they was all in the DeFi class and they're all starting their own projects and working on them together so and when they said oh look when they introduced introduced myself they said like oh you know where are you like what company are you from and i was like look i'm just an investor in the space and they're like oh which vc firm are you from and i was like I asked them, I said, why did you ask me that? And they said, oh, we know all the VC firms. And I said, right. I said, how? They said, because they just give us whoever we want. So I was like, right. So I'm like, would you go and work for one of the top tech companies at Apple or Facebook? They said, what's the point? We don't need to because VC will throw money at us to start our own project. So why would we want to go 
and work for one of them. So I think unless you have Facebook and Apple, they've got the money to do it, but pay people like ridiculous salaries, I think it's going to be hard to drag people away from doing their own thing because one, they can do it in their own introverted space if they want to with no one shouting over their shoulder. And two, the, the, the fact of raising capital is not even an issue if the project's good because, you know, like that whole class, like none of them wanted to go on and work for anybody else. They was all like, we're all working on our own projects. And when I asked them which ones to watch out for, they was all saying each other's. So <laughs> it's going to be, you know, yeah. I think they're going to struggle to get the developers that they need. Um, now, look, they already got good teams of people, right, for this tech that they build. So I don't think it'll be long before those same people will be able to do this stuff, or they probably already are. But um, I think they're going to struggle to recruit um, and pull people away from stuff when people can do it themselves. Yeah, that's a good point. And I guess, you know, in the next 10 again to 15 to 20 years, we could potentially see one of these guys uh, or gals, I should say, um, become potentially bigger than Facebook in that yeah. world. Definitely. And um, we, don't, we don't see that now. I mean, look, MySpace back in 2005 was the, the next big thing, but Facebook took over that and bought it out and smashed it. Yeah, I, I definitely think, I think that we're going to see over the next 10 or 15 years, I think there's going to be a bigger social media, decentralized social media platform than Facebook um, yeah. quite comfortably, which, you know, all of these companies are going to tokenize their own local, little economy. So, you know, Amazon, soon enough, you're going to have to buy an Amazon token to go on Amazon to transact and buy stuff on there. And you're going to have to hold Amazon tokens probably to do it. Facebook have been working on their own um, Libra coin for, for years. And I know now it's called DM, but, you know, but it makes sense for Facebook to have that inside their own economy. It makes sense for Amazon to do it. You've got billions of users on these platforms. Why wouldn't you tokenize your platform and have people use your token because you're going to be more attached to the platform if you're using and transacting their tokens and whatever it is they want you to do. It's kind of like what we do day to day now. You know, we we have a reason why we hold pounds in our bank account. It's because we're in the UK and that's what we... we um, we monitor value in this is what we things are priced in pounds you know it, it kind of what frustrates me when people price bitcoin in dollars like people are like oh bitcoin's worth forty four forty four thousand dollars today no bitcoin is worth what is in bitcoin yes we're going to label it in dollars but bitcoin is not an american asset it's not a british asset it's not a german asset bitcoin is bitcoin it has no jurisdiction. So why would you value it in anything other than Bitcoin? But then it depends what you value Bitcoin as. So it's yeah. the same as all these different platforms. Their user bases are huge. They're bigger than countries. The user bases in Amazon, Facebook, got more users than entire countries. So why it makes total sense to have their own token, their own economy. Yeah, it's absolutely insane when you think of it like that, isn't it? Right. Yeah. The, <laughs> the platforms have more users than countries than population of a country it's insane yeah. but yeah okay cool well um we're just going to do sort of some quick fire questions just before we we finish off uh first question is what is your just top three projects you're invested in right now um solana avalanche and terra luna 
cool. Like it. I, I do really like Avalanche. I like the the low fees compared to the shit that the uh, the gas fees that Ethereum has still got. That's a, that's a whole other topic. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> cool. Yeah. No, I like that. Okay. Um, what book are you reading now? If you're not reading the book, recommend a book to the listeners. Um, currently, I'm not. Um, even though I've got a ton of them behind me, haven't read half of them. Um, <laughs> um, Just I a would, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will get around to them one day. I end up buying the Audible. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, um, if you haven't read Who Not How, definitely read Who Not How. Um, I think that it'll change the way you're thinking. So definitely read that. Um, also, I think that if you haven't read 48 Laws of Power, it's another good book. But there's tons of books depending on what, what it is you want to learn. Um, but yeah, Who Not How for me day to day, I think everybody should read it to um, change the way they think and approach things. Yeah, you recommended that on uh, on your event on, uh, on the weekend. And yeah, I've written that down. So that's something that I'll definitely be buying for sure. Yeah. Okay. And um, final question is completely random one would you rather have a crispy cream or an ice cream ice cream ice cream what flavor what <laughs> um i actually there's a they're going in the uk but in dubai i my go-to is cold stone and i always order the chocolate and peanut butter with hot fudge oh, <laughs> so nice <laughs> and it's, it's so addictive as well. And because they're so quick over there, uh, you've got to be careful you don't order it every night. <laughs> I was going to say, every time I see you in Dubai on the Instagram, you're always eating up really nice food and it, like my mouth's like drooling every time. Like, I, have to, I, I can't watch your stories when I'm in Dubai, man, because I end up like <laughs> yeah. en- envious of your food. <laughs> I love my food. <laughs> yeah, man, love it. Okay, cool, man. Well, um, where, where can people get in touch with you uh, if they want to reach out? Yes, firstly, I appreciate you for inviting me back on. It's been awesome as usual. Always love the chat. Um, to, you can find me Instagram, D underscore Ludlow. And um, if you want to go to the website, just go to jointhefive.co.uk and you can sort what the platform is and what it's all about. Awesome. Thanks for coming on, D. been an absolute pleasure. And thanks for uh, talking with me. Yeah, I appreciate it. Cool. That's been the Alright Talk Show. We're back with another guest very soon. Ciao for now. Bye.